Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. And as we get to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, uh, we're going to be, we're here as, uh, you know, as we finished last week, we did, we did talk in uh, chapter 14, but we finished off with verse 23. And so as we continue in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we know that we're actually going to look at King Saul. And when I was reading and meditating on these words, on, on what God has for us today, the Lord wanted me to speak on one topic, and that was on foolish talk. And the damage that comes from foolish talk. And as we look at this, we're going to examine really the foolish talk that, that King Saul had and, and the destruction that it brought forth to him and to, uh, and to others. And so, and to ourselves, as we, as we examine this, we're going to see how foolish talk can also affect us. You know, I want to talk about or look at certain scriptures. We're going to look at certain scriptures we go, before we go into the passages there in 1 Samuel 14. And these scriptures that I'm going to bring to you, it really talks to us about this mouth that we have and, and the words that are spoken from this mouth. And, and so as I, bring, I give you the first verse, it's from Proverbs chapter 13 in verse 3. It says this, He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Remember that. He who opens wide his lips Shall have, his, shall have destruction. In other words, when, you know what, as you just open your mouth and you just speak foolishly, there will be destruction. And then we also look at James chapter 1, verse 19. It tells us about speaking and hearing, and look at what it says. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, God wants us to know the importance of speaking wisely, right? Of of being swift to hear and, and slow to speak. And, and he gives these in proportion because he knows what's best. Look at what it says in Psalm 141, verse 3. He says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, you know what? Watch what you speak. I mean, there's, there's a lot of truth to this. There's a lot of wisdom in these passages that we're reading. And it's all talking about the things that we say, the foolish talk that we give. And I know that many of us, and I know I've done this in, the, in, in my past, and, and even, you know what, to this day, there's many things that I say that, that I'm embarrassed about, right? And there's things that you say that you regret. And this is what we're talking about now. You know what, as Proverbs 13.3 said, there's much destruction that comes from the words that you speak. And God reminds us to be slow to speak. And He also says that, you know what, ask the Lord to give a guard over your mouth. You know, we are to watch what we say. Ask God for wisdom before you speak. And when you do speak, look at what Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 tells us. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So when we speak, you know, it's, the Lord is reminding us, you know what, make sure that, that the words that you use, the speech that you use is, is spoken with grace and always seasoned with salt. 
Let it be, you know, let it taste good to the hearers, right? Make sure that what you talk about, you know what, isn't, isn't distasteful. Make sure that what you talk about isn't, isn't you know what, isn't, isn't, isn't bad, is, is good. And, and so as we look at these things, remember the words that we speak. The words that you speak can cause serious harm. And we know that James talks about this, right? James has a, a way of explaining this and he gives several passages on the tongue. You know how the tongue can cause some serious harm. How the tongue can either bring life or death. And James spends time explaining this to us. And I want us to open up our Bibles to James chapter 3. And in James chapter 3 in verse 6. He talks about the tongue. And look at what he says about the tongue right. And the tongue is a fire. A world of inequity in verse 6. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So we're reminded of here, right, how, how damaging the tongue is. It's a fire, right? And, and we know how a little fire kindles the whole forest, he goes on to say. You know what, when you talk about what causes a, a, a forest fire, it's either somebody playing with matches, right? Little matches that, that cause so much damage to acres and acres of land and property. If you jump down to verse 8, look at what it says. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. Imagine that. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. It is full of deadly poison. I mean, these are... This is the Word of God that is talking to us about the words that we speak. About this tongue. It's so small, right? I mean, look at your tongue. It's one of the smallest members of your body. But yet, it causes so much damage. It goes on to say, here in James 3, it says, With it we bless our God and Father. How many times do we use our tongue to, to bless God? To, you know what, to reverence God? To say all these things that are honoring God and worship God and, and bring Him praise and glory. And yet, it goes on to say, and with it we curse men. Imagine that. Imagine that this tongue, what it does, right? It blesses God and you use it to curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. In other words, we're all created in the image of God and yet we're, blessing, we're, we're cursing men. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Imagine, this is what James is talking about, the words. The words that you and I speak, the words that come out of our mouth. Are we going to bring life or death? Are we going to be careful to use your word? See, today's study is going to show us the damage that words can bring upon people as well as ourselves. And this is what the whole topic today is on foolish talk. Because this is what can bring damage. And this is what God wants to prevent. He wants to prevent the damage that we bring to ourselves and to other people. And so let's go ahead and begin to read. And let's read what, what the foolish talk of King Saul is. And we're going to begin in verse 24. And we're going to just read the, uh, from 24 to the end of the chapter. And then we're going to come back and expound on these verses. It says here in verse 24, it says, And the men of Israel were distressed. That day. For Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, 
Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. None of them ate. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people, the soldiers, had come into the woods, there was honey dripping. Imagine they're starving and they see this honey that's dripping. But no one put his hand out to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. They were starving, they were hungry, but they didn't put their hand out. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand, and he dipped it in a honeycomb. We know that honeycombs are are what the bees do, right? This is a honeycomb that the bees make. And he put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is a man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now would, for now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Mikemash to Ajalon. So the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil and they took sheep, oxen, and calves and slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. And then they told Saul, saying, look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with blood. So he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. And then Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. And this was the first altar that, had, that he had built to the Lord. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until morning light. And let us not we leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. And the priest said, Let us draw near to God. Let us first draw near to God here. And so Saul asked the counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But God did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come over here, all you chiefs of the people. And know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. And then he said to all Israel, you be on one side and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. And then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I 
only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. So, so uh, Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die? Who has accomplished his great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. And then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishui, and Melchishua. And the names of his daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Mirab, and the name of the younger was Michal. The name of Saul's wife was uh, Hinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner. Saul's uncle Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Okay, so as we read here, you know what, as we see what's going on here, as we, as we read here, just, you know what, this, these foolish words, the oath that Saul took, and then, you know what, and then the Lord isn't answering Saul, and so Saul knows that there's sin in the camp, and and really the sin is his sin, right? And so you have here that they draw lots and, and the lot falls finally on Jonathan and Jonathan confesses. And, and so, you know what? The people don't allow Saul to kill Jonathan. And so then you see, you, we read about the victories of Saul. And so we have all of this, right? And, and, and I want to make sense of all of it for all of us. And so let's, let's just... Take it apart, but before we take it apart, I, I really got to let you know what's been going on. What has led to Saul making this foolish oath? You know, last week we talked about Jonathan and his armor bearer. Remember this man, Jonathan, he was an amazing man. He was a courageous man. You know, one thing about Jonathan, he was, in a, he was just a, an amazing warrior. And what we see is he goes... The Lord puts it upon Jonathan's heart and Jonathan follows the Lord's, you know, the Lord's stirring. And so what he does is he goes to the garrison of the Philistines and you have all of these Philistine soldiers. And he says, you know what, let's go take them out. Imagine this. This is, this is Jonathan and his armor bearer. And he says, you know what, let's go take them out. And all of a sudden he goes there, right? And he takes out all of the soldiers. The garrison is a military post of soldiers. They're there waiting, right? They're there waiting to go into battle. And so what you have here is Jonathan and his armor bearer go, and all of a sudden he wipes them all out. And it's a scene like from one of these Marvel comics, like, like from Captain America, right? You see this superhero, right, accompanied by another superhero, and you see all of these dead men that they killed. All the enemy is wiped out. 
And you see them there, right? And all of a sudden, the people hear of it and everyone's fearing and the Philistines are running scared. And the Lord brings confusion upon the Philistines. And guess what? They start fighting one another, right? And, and then the Israelites come and they defeat them, right? And they take them out. You know what? It all started because of Jonathan. The courage of Jonathan. Jonathan was an amazing man. And let me talk to you about courage because courage is extremely contagious. Have you ever noticed that it takes one man's courage to inspire others to follow? Whenever there's one person that has courage, you have a group of people that follow after, right? But it takes one man, one man to move in courage. And this is the way courage works, right? It inspires others. And this is what happened with Jonathan. And we know that God brought the victory over the Philistines because of this one man. So with this, this is where we're at now. And this is what happens here in verse 24. It says, And the men of Israel were distressed that day. For Saul placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. What's happening here? I want to explain this to you. If we go to verse 24, it tells us something that, that is happening there, right? It tells us in verse 22, it says that, that the Israelites, the men or the Israelites, that what they did is that they followed after the Philistines. After God brought confusion, after God brought, you know, uh, just, just the Philistines to fight after one another, all of the Israelites followed after them and they battled against them also and they were victorious over them. And so after that battle and after, you know, just chasing them and, and going after them, it tells us that they were very distressed that day. What does he mean by the fact that they were distressed that day? I want you to know this, is that they were physically exhausted. This is what they're saying. It's saying that the Israelites were physically exhausted. And they were physically exhausted because some foolish man called a fast. He declared a fast and this was their leader, King Saul. See, King Saul made the soldiers take an oath. He commanded them to not eat. They couldn't eat until the evening. You know, they're fleeing and, and they're exhausted, right? And, 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 and they're just chasing them and they, they've been victorious in the battle. And then King Saul says, you know what? I know you're tired, but we're going to fast. Imagine, these guys are hungry, these guys are starving, they've been battling, right? And King Saul tells them, guess what? You're going to fast. What would you say? You'd be like, oh man, I'm starving, we, we're exhausted, right? I mean, you know what, how many of us have done so much work in one day, right? And after that, we're just so thirsty, we're so hungry, right? We're like, give me food, give me water. And, and imagine this, if your wife or your, or your husband tells you, guess what? We're going to fast. What are you going to say to them? You're crazy. I'm hungry, right? But no, these were obedient to their king. And so they fasted, right? And look at what it tells us in verse 28. At the end of verse 28, here in uh, 1 Samuel 14, it tells us that the people were faint. The soldiers were faint. And verse 31 also tells us that they were very faint. So imagine they're exhausted and they're faint. And here we have King Saul. 
proclaiming a fast. Foolish talk. I want you to know this was foolish talk. This is what we're talking about, right? Foolish talk. Imagine this. They needed food to be refreshed. They needed food to be reignited. They needed food to be strengthened. And yet you have this foolish man declaring a fast. You know what? How dumb can you be as king? You know what? To know that you know what you need strong men. Especially when you're fighting the enemy. Why are you declaring a fast? You know what? King Saul, it appears that he wanted to appear, uh, to appear spiritual, right? To appear as a man that was, you know what? You know, looking for God. Even though God already gave them the victory. You know, why would you even do this? God already brought a victory and God was going to give the enemies to you. So you didn't have to say these foolish things. You know what? How many of us say foolish things? You know what, I'm reminded, I mean, you can think of the foolish things that you say, but you know what, for me, I remember, you know what, when, I, when, when my wife and I, we were at a, a yard sale, and there was a, a girl that was there, and, and, uh, and she appeared to be pregnant, in my eyes. And one thing you never do is you never ask a woman if she's pregnant. You let her tell you that she's pregnant, Right? Because you end up finding out, they end up saying, no, I'm not. And that's exactly what happened to me. She tells me, no, I'm not. And I'm like, oh, man, how dumb I am. And my father-in-law was even there. My father-in-law tells me, you never ask a woman if she's pregnant. We say foolish things, right? But I want you to know one thing. When we do foolish things and say foolish things, it does much more because there's a lot of damage that it brings. Let's read in verse 25. Look what it says. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan, it says, had not heard his father's charge to the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand, and he dipped it in a honeycomb. And he put his hand in his mouth and his countenance brightened. You know, as we look at this, right, I want to just quickly go over this. The people as they're, you know what, these soldiers, right, they're, they're pursuing the enemy and they see honey on the floor. Imagine this, and they see it on the ground and as they're in the woods, all of a sudden they look up and, and they see this honeycomb. And remember, you know what, there's bees around a honeycomb, right, so... You know what, well, you're not going to be foolish enough to, to grab it, but here the, the honey was, was falling to the ground. And then Jonathan, remember Jonathan, superhero, Captain America, right? He, after he defeated all of these men, right, he comes and what does he do? He joins the army. He didn't hear what his dad said. And in not hearing what his dad says, what does he do? He pulls out his rod. He's hungry, right? I'm, you know what, I'm exhausted. I just fought all this, these soldiers, we defeated them, I'm hungry, I'm, I want to eat. So he takes his rod and he dips it in the honeycomb, he pulls some of it out and he gets his hand and gets the honey from the rod and he eats the honey. And then you see here that he says that, you know what, after he ate it, his countenance was brightened. And so what you have here is, you know, you have here, 
The fact that he's refreshed, he's reignited, he's strengthened. And look at what verse 28 tells us. Then one of the people, one of the soldiers said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. You know, there's always someone in the crowd, right, that, never, that doesn't exercise grace. Right? He's right away, he's like, you're not supposed to do this. Instead of saying, man, you know what? You, you were the one that caused the victory. You were, because of you, God allowed us to have a victory. You were the one that had the courage. And we all followed behind you, right? We all were inspired by you. And we all went to battle because of your courage. Instead, he says, you know what? You shouldn't be eating that. Your dad said you can't be eating anything, right? The lack of grace. We know that there's always those in the crowd, right? That don't exercise grace, don't know how, what, it, what it means to give grace. And so as we keep reading verse 29, look at what happens. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance was brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, so the people were very faint. Jonathan, you know what, Jonathan, you know what, he says it as it is, right? My dad, you know what, he's, he just spoke foolishly here, right? He, he's brought trouble upon us. You know what? It, this command that He gave us has only hurt us. Imagine if the people were able to eat. They were, they, you know what? The spoils were the sheep, the cattle, the oxen. You know, all of these animals, if they were able to, to eat of these, to eat of them, they would have been stronger and we could have gone after the Philistines and we would have had such a greater victory. Remember what Proverbs says, foolish talk brings destruction. Remember what James said, it's, it's full of deadly poison. You know, we're going to look at what our words can cause. And we're going to look at verse 32 and examine the destruction that our words bring. Look at what it says here in verse 32. And the people rushed on the spoil. And they took the sheep, the oxen, and the calves. And they slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. You know, when we look at this, right? Some of us may say, well, what's wrong with this? Let me remind you of something. God had instructed the Jews never to eat meat with blood. Look at what it says in Leviticus 7 verse 26. It says, Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether of bird or of beast. You know what he says? Don't eat blood. Don't be like these vampires or these God, these you know these horrible movies that 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 have people eating blood. Right? This is an abomination to the Lord. He's saying none of you guys are supposed to eat any blood when it came from animals, from birds, whatever it is. And the Lord repeats this over and over and over again to the people of the Old Testament. You don't eat the blood because in the blood there is life. Remember, the blood brings life. Who was the life? What was the blood that was shed that brought life to us? 
the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's talking about, right? He's reminding us of this, right? You never eat the blood. And so we have this foolish command by, by King Saul that has caused the people to sin. Which brings me to my first point. Point number one about foolish talk. It can cause people to sin. Whenever you speak foolishly, it can cause people to sin. You know, as we have here, right, the, the evening arrived and the, and the Philistines were pushed back. And so we have the spoils that the people are eating and, and yet they ate it with the blood. They were sinning against the commands of God. Imagine how hungry they were, they, that they didn't care. They just began to slaughter the animals and they began to eat it. You know, it was just eating the food, eating the meat. Imagine not cooked, not anything, just with the blood and all. This is how starved they were. Remember, you know, people go to great, you know, to, to great extremes when they're so hungry that, that they're willing to eat flesh. We've heard about people in the, in the ocean how, you know what, if someone dies, they, they just begin to eat their flesh. Or, or, or people in the Alps, you know, as they go out there and, and, and you know what, and and you have the, the snow that comes and, and it just kills people. And, and for them to survive, they just begin to eat one another. I mean, this is how hungry these men were. And yet you have this foolish oath, this foolish command, this foolish fast that Saul made. That it, it brought these guys to this point. But you know what? Our words can also be poisoned. Our words can also start a great fire. When we look at the words that we speak, right? For those of us who have kids, how many of us provoke our kids to sin? Think about this. How many of us are constantly talking down our kids, provoking them to wrath, wrath as it says in Ephesians chapter 6? You know, when you talk down at your kids, when you're constantly on your kids, you know, what, what do you do to them? You cause them to sin. What about us as husbands? When we don't deal with our wives with understanding anymore. You know what? We, we cause sin, right? And wives, what about you wives that are no longer respecting your husbands? You're provoking them to, to show you no love. You know what? You're provoking them to sin. What about you that are owners or managers at your businesses? When you're harsh with your employees, when you're subordinates, you provoke them. You know what? You bring a bad name to Christ. Are we provoking people to sin by the words that we speak? You know, we can look at ourselves as, as parents, as fathers, as, as husbands, as wives, as people. By the words that we speak, are we provoking people? Are we causing people to sin? As we keep reading in verse 33, look at what it says. And then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And so he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me, bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. 
slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. And now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. And then the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So you have here, right? You have here the people. King Saul tells them, you know what? I want you to bring, I want them to bring the sheep. You know, they've been sinning. Bring the meat, bring the oxen, bring the calves. They've been sinning. And so he says, I want you to bring a stone. And what we're going to do is we're going to do it the right way. We're going to build an altar. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a peace offering, a fellowship offering. And we're going to offer these to the Lord. We're going to slaughter the animals. We're going to drain the blood. We're going to eat our portion and we're going to give the portion that belongs to the Lord. And then after this, we're going to go after the Philistines, continue in battle. And then one of the priests says, let's first inquire of the Lord. So let's see what happens here in verse 37. It says, so Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. See, Saul asked of God, he says, should we continue in the battle? Should we continue in the battle against the Philistines? But it tells us that God did not answer Saul, which brings me to the second point. I want you to know this. Point number two is that God does not respond to foolish talk. God does not respond to foolish talk. See, when you speak in the flesh, you will also reap of the flesh. When you are speaking in the flesh, when you are speaking foolish things, God is not going to respond to you. See, this is what he means that, you know what, when we are in sin and causing others to sin, as Saul did, God isn't going to listen to you. He's not going to respond to you. Look at what it says in Psalm 66, 18. To bring validity to this point, if I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. See, Saul was in the flesh as he was making decisions in the flesh. And so God was not hearing his requests. And the Bible tells us that God did not answer Saul. See, as we see Saul, Saul is walking in sin. He's causing people to sin. And so God is not there to hear from Saul and to answer Saul. Because of the sin that he had and the sin that he caused. And as we keep reading in verse 38, look at what it says. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it may be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, you be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. I want you to know what's happening here. He calls the chiefs, right? Because God isn't answering him, and he's saying, you know what? There must be sin. If God isn't answering me, there must be sin. And so what he does is, he calls the chiefs of Israel, and he separates the people on one side, and Saul and Jonathan on the other side. And he says, you know what, where the law falls, that's where sin is. Okay, so let's read. Let's read where it lands, right? We read this. It says, therefore, Saul said to the Lord, 
God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. What ha- what's happening here is, remember, there's lots. Lots were going to determine who was guilty. So the people of Israel were on one side, and Saul and Jonathan were on the other side. And as they drew lots, the lots fell on Saul and Jonathan. So the people were free, right? They were the ones that, that didn't sin. And so then you have now the lot that fell on Saul and Jonathan. So Saul says, okay, let's now draw lots between Saul and Jonathan, between him and I. And so they draw lots, and the lot fell on Jonathan. So Jonathan was guilty. But I want you to know this. God allowed the lot to fall on Jonathan, not to bring guilt over Jonathan, but to humiliate Saul. This is why he did it. This is what he was doing. He was humiliating Saul for his pride and foolish, for his foolish talk. This is what he wanted to do. God wanted to humiliate Saul. And so as we see there in verse 43, as it falls on Jonathan, Saul tells him, tell me what you did. And then it says there, and Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. Jonathan says, okay, you know what? Then I'll die. I'll accept responsibility for what I have done. Let's read in verse 44, and it's going to bring us to the third point. It says, so Saul answered, God do so, and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Imagine this. He's telling his son, his own son. He wants to execute his son. You know what, it was, remember it was Jonathan that was a man of curse that inspired everyone else to battle. And we know that what happened because of Jonathan, they experienced a victory. God brought victory upon the land. And now you have Saul that wants to execute his own son and the man that inspired victory. Look at what it says in verse 45. Look at what happens. It says, but the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has accomplished his great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Point number three, I want you to know this. When you speak foolishly, I want you to know this. Point number three is this. People do not follow fools. People do not follow fools. You know, when we look at this, right, I want you to understand this. Saul was saying, we're going to kill my son. Saul was saying, we're going to execute him. Jonathan was saying, hey, go ahead, execute me. But you know what the people did? Whose side did they take? They didn't take King Saul's side. Yet he was a king. Yet he was the one that was making the commands. Yet he had every right to execute his son. Yet the people did not follow Saul, do you see what happens here? When you talk foolishly, when you are a fool with the words that you say, when you say things that are just so, you know what, so crazy and so wrong, understand this, people are not going to follow you. See, people did not let Saul kill his son, and the same thing with us. You know what, people aren't going to follow you. And I want you to know one thing, that every one of us as Christians, we have been called to be leaders. 
You and I are called to be leaders. As soon as you became a Christian, as soon as you said, you know what? I surrender myself to Jesus Christ. You immediately were called to lead. Did you know that we are not like the rest of the people? Last night we had uh, our men's uh, leadership training. And we talked about this. We talked about how you and I have been called to lead. As Christians, see, you and I aren't like the rest of the world, right? The rest of the world, they follow one another. They follow what the world says. They follow what others say. But you and I follow what Jesus says. You and I lead people to Jesus. We don't follow the people. We're called to lead the people to Christ. You and I are leaders for Jesus Christ. How, I mean, think about it this way. The people out there, right? They're weak. They think they're strong. They think that we're weak. But in reality, they do what everyone else says. But you and I, we don't do what everyone else says. And this is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. Even though they say you guys are, you guys are, are weak. You guys are, you know what, you guys don't stand up for yourselves. Yes, we have power, but we have it under control. And what we do is we show great strength in following Jesus. Because the world doesn't follow Jesus. The majority doesn't follow Jesus. But you and I as Christians, we follow Jesus. And this is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We know one thing. As it tells us here in Proverbs 3.35. The wise shall inherit glory. But shame shall shall be the legacy of fools. Shame shall be the legacy of fools. See, no one will honor or follow a foolish leader. And a foolish leader is revealed after time because, see, one of the things that we know is that a foolish leader loves to babble things. He loves to say things, right? He doesn't think before he speaks. As Jesus taught us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to give you right now the remedy for foolish talk because this is important for us, right? To understand what is a remedy for foolish talk? What is, that, what is it that we can do to avoid us being foolish talkers? I want to give you the remedy. There's going to be two remedies that I'm going to give you. The first one is this. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. See, God wants to give wisdom. And, and James chapter 1 verse Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Imagine this. God is waiting for us to ask for wisdom. How many of us are asking for wisdom? How many, how many of us are, are doing and speaking foolishly? And yet God is asking all of us to ask for wisdom. You know what? And, and, and this is... This is the remedy, right? But I want to take it one step further because I want you to understand that wisdom is extremely key in the life of a believer. And God regards wisdom and God God desires that we as believers would walk and exercise wisdom. I want to give you an example of how important wisdom is in the eyes of God. I want to talk about another king. A king that followed King Saul. And it wasn't King David. I'm going to talk about King Solomon. 
Remember King Solomon when God asked and God appeared to, to Solomon. And God asked him, ask, ask me anything and I will give it to you. And this is from Second Chronicles chapter 1 beginning in verse 7. Look at what it says. On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. In other words, remember, Israel was, was just a, a force. It was a, a great people at this time. Remember, David had conquered all the enemies around. And there was a multitude of people. And so he says, you know what? You made me king over all of these people. And this is what he asked for. He says, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? He wanted wisdom. He wanted knowledge. And God was so, you know what? God was honored by this request. God already knew this, but, but he honored the request of Solomon that he tells him this. Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Because of the request for wisdom, God says, I'm going to give you everything else. Imagine this. This is, what God, this is how God looks at wisdom. You know what? God honors our requests for wisdom. You know, when it comes to me, people have asked, well, what do, what do you want me to pray for you on? You know what? What I want from people is I want you to pray for wisdom that I may shepherd you the way God that would be appropriate before the eyes of God. See, wisdom is key. And this is something that many of us lack as Christians. We are lacking wisdom. And yet we act foolishly, we speak foolishly, because there is an absence of wisdom in our lives. And yet God is speaking to us today. He wants to impart wisdom upon us. But yet if you're not asking, then you're not what? receiving and so as we look at this i want to give you now the second point when it comes to foolish talk the remedy for foolish talk point number two is this be slow to speak remember what james said in james chapter 1 verse 19 it says this so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath See, you have been given two ears and one mouth. And God says, use them accordingly. There are many times when people speak and we interrupt. How many of us interrupt people before, you, before they finish speaking? And yet you're speaking things that they were already going to tell you. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I should have known. I should have kept quiet. You know what, when we're faced with different situations, understand this. 
God wants us to use our ears first. Listen before you speak. You know what? Take into account what is being spoken to you. You know, be constantly hearing. Seeing what's going on. And then you are able to act with wisdom. You are able to speak with wisdom. Think of it this way. You know, when, we, when we're slow to speak and, and, and slow to do things, you know what, it's, it, it's using self-control, it's using wisdom. Because see, you want to act accordingly. You see, what is wisdom really? Wisdom is just knowing how to handle a situation, right? Once you know something, how are you going to respond to it? That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is, is, no, is not knowledge. Knowledge is, 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 is just is having an a, a understanding of something, of, of knowing these things, but how are you going to respond is wisdom. You know what? If I know that drugs destroy me, am I going to smoke them? That's wisdom. If I know that when I drink and, I dri- and if I drive, I, you know what? I, I'm going to kill people. That's wisdom. Wisdom is, you know what, you know what alcohol does, right? That's knowledge. But wisdom is acting appropriately. I'm not going to drive. In any situation, you know what? You hear a situation, you know what's going on, how are you going to respond to that situation? How are you going to speak on that situation? That's wisdom. And so for us, you know what, we're so quick to answer. We're so quick to judge. We're so quick to respond. We're so quick to act. And yet the remedy for foolish talk, the remedy for all these things is to be slow. Slow in responding, slow in speaking. You know, let's just finish up the chapter and we're going to finish it up quickly. It says that then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines and the Philistines went to their own place. Saul said, forget it. You know what, let's just move on. And then verse 47 says, So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. I want you to know one thing about King Saul and Jonathan. These men were amazing warriors. These men were just great fighters. These men were excellent in the battlefield. These men were men that, you know what, that that went out there just like Jonathan, able to kill 20 men. Imagine that. This was a courage. These, these These were men of war. And we know one thing is that they were great warriors. David dedicates... In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21 and through 23, he talks about how they were just, you know what? These men were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. They were mighty men of war. And yet we see all the victories that they had here, both Saul and Jonathan. And, and then we're going to read about the royal lineage and we're going to stop there. It says, the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishuai, Mount Keshua, and the names of his daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Mirab, and the name of the younger was Michal, which we know that David, that she would one day be David's wife. The name of Saul's wife was 
Hinoam, and the daughter of Ahimez. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner was the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took for himself. Remember what God said? He said, this man is going to take your children. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. And this is exactly what we see King Saul doing. He was taking all the men. He was taking all the women. And so we see here just a man, as we started, who spoke foolishly. And what's so amazing about this is that he teaches us things. See, and this is what's so amazing about the Old Testament, about these men and women that we have here. They teach us. God uses them as examples for us. Examples so that we can learn from them. And as we learn today, avoid foolish talk. And as we were given the remedy for foolish talk is wisdom and to be slow to speak. And with that, we will finish. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for just these words that you have spoken today, Lord. These words that, that just reveal to us, Lord, about foolish talk. And the damage that it causes to us and to others. How it causes people to sin. How foolish talk. You know what? How it just, it just causes, it causes just turmoil and destruction. And, and we also know as, as we read that people don't follow foolish people. At least people with wisdom, at least believers. We don't follow these people. Lord, we know one thing is that is that people don't like to follow fools. Lord, your word speaks about foolish people over and over again. It speaks about wise people over and over again. So many scriptures that are uh, that that are revealed and given to us on fools and wisdom. Lord, may we be a people of wisdom. May we seek wisdom. May we seek her. May we be praying on a daily basis for wisdom. May we be asking for it. Whenever we're confronted with questions and situations, may we reach out to you and ask for your wisdom on them. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that, that would like wisdom imparted upon their lives, I'm going to ask now that you would raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Amen. 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 Lord, you see all these hands going up wanting wisdom. We need it, Lord. And as your word tells us, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Lord, we need wisdom on a daily basis. We need to know how to respond. How to make the right choices. We know the situation, but how do we make these right choices? This is from, this wisdom can only come from heaven above. So Lord, for everyone that raised their hand that is in need of wisdom, and that includes me, Lord, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. We all need it, Lord. I'm going to say a prayer for all of us. 
Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We know that you have all wisdom. And we know that you desire to impart wisdom upon each and every one of your children. I pray for all of us that have raised our hand, that have asked for this wisdom. I pray that you impart it upon us from heaven above. We don't want to be fools. We want to leave a legacy. A legacy that brings you glory and honor. And the only way to do that is to walk in wisdom. And so Lord, be gracious, be merciful. Hear our request, Lord. And impart your wisdom upon each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for it. We give you praise, glory, and honor for the word that you gave us today. And may we live by this word all the days of our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. God bless you all.